Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Startup Daily, episode 727, What the Economist Got Wrong About the Decline of Silicon Valley, by Mike Smirklow of mikesmirklow.com. And I'm Dan, I'm your host, and uh, welcome to Optimal Startup Daily, if this is your first time here. And if you are a regular listener, welcome back, hope you're having a great week so far. This is, of course, where I read to you from some of the best blogs on entrepreneurship. And today's post comes from Mike Smirklow. He's got a website that I'll tell you about right after the post. But for now, let's get to it and start optimizing your life. What the Economist Got Wrong About the Decline of Silicon Valley by Mike Smirklow of mikesmirklow.com I never thought I would start a blog post with such an audacious claim about the journalistic acumen of The Economist. However, having just finished reading The Economist's September 1st cover story on Silicon Valley titled A Victim of Its Own Success, I felt compelled to note some items that the highly regarded publication missed in its cover story. As a quick aside added for perspective only, I worked in the tech industry in Silicon Valley for nearly 20 years, living there from 1997 to 2015. I decided to leave the valley and relocate to Austin, Texas to start a venture capital firm called Next Coast Ventures. You might expect that I would celebrate any publication's declaration of the death of the valley as support for my own personal decision. But that's not the case. Many of the observations in the article about the challenges of living in Silicon Valley are dead on and support the assertion that the valley has peaked. I'm going to highlight some of the more salient points in the article here because they're noteworthy and I agree with them. However, it's the conclusions the article drew from these assumptions that I disagree with. Here's what they got right. 1. The valley is an extremely expensive place to start a company. As noted in the article, one founder, quote, reckons that startups pay at least four times more to operate in the Bay Area than in most other cities, end quote. I'm not sure it's four times, but in my experience, the engineering talent in the Valley is at least twice as expensive as it is in markets like Austin or Salt Lake City. This cost difference is not just for engineering talent in the Valley anymore. It is across the entire organization. So when an entrepreneur starts a company outside of the Valley, the capital required is lower and will last longer allowing founders to avoid that nasty little thing called founder's dilution. Two, new technologies are making it much, much easier to start a company just about anywhere. The article notes that, quote, thanks to the tools that the Valley's own firms have produced, from smartphones to video calls to messaging apps, teams can work effectively from different offices and places, end quote. Now more than ever, talent can be sourced and located anywhere. So the need for entrepreneurs to limit their talent sourcing to one specific geography is simply irresponsible. This assertion, however, should not be seen as anti-valley, 
but rather a great opportunity for anyone competing in the war for talent, regardless of geographic location. Three, the article is right about innovation happening everywhere. Quote, Capital is becoming more widely available to bright sparks everywhere. Tech investors increasingly troll the world, not just California, for hot ideas. End quote. At my firm, Next Coast Ventures, we are consistently amazed at the quality and quantity of great ideas from impressive entrepreneurs we see every day, both at our office in Austin and the Next Coast markets we routinely visit. The Economist article sees this as a strike against the valley. However, I think this is the beginning of an incredibly exciting story about innovation and expansiveness and the ability to build great businesses just about anywhere. Four, per the vivid picture painted by the article, the valley is a tough place to live. Quote, the nastier features of the Bay Area life, clogged traffic, discarded syringes, and shocking inequality. End quote. And don't forget ridiculously expensive housing prices. I lived in the valley for a long time, and these factors have only gotten worse, not better, over the past 20 years. I miss the creative energy of the valley and would argue there is no place like it on earth. But it is expensive, crowded, and in some ways, a bizarre place to live, and certainly a hard place to raise a family. 5. Competition for talent, especially engineers, is intense. Quote, Apple and Facebook pay their employees so generously that startups struggle to attract talent. End quote. This is a very, very important point for any entrepreneur looking to start a business. Five or 10 years ago, startups in the Valley could lure away talent with the promises of big equity upside thanks to low pay and stagnant equity prices at the larger tech behemoths like HP or IBM. But now at companies like Facebook, the median salary of an engineer is not only $240,000, but Facebook's stock has also increased 268% over the past five years. Therefore, the risk-reward equation for an employee with a hefty salary and competitive stock options to leave a larger company to go to a startup is a much, much harder calculation than it has been historically in the Valley. And six, these are all significant, astute data points that are certainly pointing to a tangible shift in the innovation and investment ecosystems in the Valley. But the conclusions the article draws from these inflection points is where my aforementioned strong disagreement with the esteemed economist comes in. Here's what they got wrong. All of these points are compelling reasons for any entrepreneur to consider starting and growing a company outside of the valley. However, I disagree that all of these signs point to less innovation, lower opportunity, and the inevitable downfall of the valley. I would assert, rather than peak valley, this all points to the massive opportunity for next coast markets to help drive overall global innovation and entrepreneurship. I simply do not agree that these are, quote, signs that the valley's influence is peaking, end quote. The article highlights that, quote, in 2013, Silicon Valley investors put half their money into startups outside the Bay Area. Now it is close to two-thirds, end quote. The flow of capital into next coast markets is not a sign that the valley's influence is waning. Far from it. Ask any entrepreneur if they would turn down interest from the preeminent venture firms in the valley, Benchmark, KP, A16Z, etc., and they would say, heck no. Rather, this flow of capital is really a good sign of what Steve Case calls the rise of the rest. That is, innovation is happening everywhere, and the valley will always be the epicenter. But it is now also happening in a much more prevalent manner in markets outside of the valley. It is short-sighted to believe that as talent, innovation, and capital spreads from the valley, that its influence won't come with it. And there is clearly enough to go around. In summary, I would assert that the article is only half right. 
The data points they highlight about Silicon Valley are correct, but their assumptions about what that means for the future of innovation are wrong. What is really happening is not, as the article claims, a quote, warning that innovation everywhere is becoming harder, end quote, but rather a timely, exciting opportunity for areas outside of Silicon Valley, what we call next coast markets, to grow and prosper as additional rather than replacement innovation hubs. Cities like Austin may never replicate the valley, and that's okay, but instead are well on their way to becoming a different but equally appealing innovation hub for the next generation of great technology and technology-related companies. And we're excited to be here working with those companies every day. You just listened to the post titled, What the Economist Got Wrong About the Decline of Silicon Valley by Mike Smirklow of mikesmirklow.com. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. And one of the things I really love about Indeed is that it filters out those incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com startup. So just go to indeed.com startup right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com startup. Terms and conditions apply. And thanks so much to Mike, who is the author of Mr. Monkey and Me. That's a real talk guide to cultivating a mindset to support greatness in entrepreneurs. And I actually narrated an excerpt from the book back in episode 88. So uh, please check that out if you didn't listen to that episode. Mike is an experienced entrepreneur, investor, and business leader driven by the desire to turn ideas into reality. Having bought and scaled a small business into a publicly traded company worth nearly a billion dollars in value, he has a deep understanding of the hard work dedication, and grit that truly powers successful entrepreneurship. Today, as the co-founder and managing director of Next Coast Ventures, Mike's a champion for a new generation of entrepreneurs building disruptive companies in big markets. So he's really the perfect author for this show, and uh, you can come by his site to check out his work. It is mikesmirklo.com, and Mike's last name is spelled S-M-E-R-K-L-O. And as usual, I do have that linked in this episode's description. But that should do it for today. Hope you enjoyed the post from Mike and that you're having a great one. And I'll be back here reading to you tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.